2 Samuel 11, 21. Do you see it? Yes. Who smote Abimelech? That's our reading tonight. Would you read it with me? Who smote Abimelech? That's, that's our reading tonight. Now, we could read, and some, I like to read context, but I've chosen tonight to speak symbolically of Abimelech. And I believe that this is the will of God for us tonight. So let's, let's set our Bibles aside and let's pray together for just a moment. Could we do that? Lord, we thank you right now because we know that you are anxious to give us revival in these days. Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that even those, Lord, that are that uh, are sleeping and those that are needing a good nap tonight, I pray for them. I pray for everybody that's here tonight. Lord, I pray for every need. I pray that you will speak to those that are that are looking to apostolic tabernacle. They're beginning to say, wait a minute, I, I feel something from the Lord. And, and they're concentrating on the purpose of God in their lives. And this church is becoming a center for them, just like it has always been for many through the years. But our days are not over. We are the church of the living God. And we shall have revival. Lord, it's our desire tonight. And we ask you to anoint our hearts and anoint our minds. Because, Lord, tonight you're going to speak to us through the preached word of the Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Who smote Abimelech? We could have read more, but, but I, I, I'm choosing to, to speak symbolically tonight. So I'm using only three words and that's my text. Who smote Abimelech? So I'm putting the question right there. Now, the text has a question mark, but I'm putting it right there. Who smote Abimelech? That's our text, and that's our title tonight. Now, some of you know the answer, and of course, it's just, it's just a matter that you, you know. You know the story. But I want tonight to explore the death of Abimelech. I want to talk about it. I feel led of the Holy Ghost to contemplate it. In fact, I, I sensed it several times and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, 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 I want to know that this is your direction. And of course, the scripture is asking the question. How many see that that question is in the scripture? Who smote Abimelech? How many see that? Is, any, is anybody awake tonight? Are you actually here? Okay, you, you see that it's actually, I'm, I'm kidding you. You, you. I'm just trying to kid with you a little bit. Um, who smote Abimelech? Now, we know it's a question, but we all know that everybody he's talking to knows the answer. So he's not asking the question because they don't know the answer. They're asking the question for the same reason I'm asking the question tonight. There's something about his death that is very important. And so uh, he said, who smote Abimelech and, and goes on. And so it says, who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth? And then there's your question mark. Of course, 2 Samuel is not the source of the answer. 2 Samuel doesn't even tell. Now, it does in that verse, tells us a little bit about Abimelech, but very, very little. 
And 2 Samuel is only remembering Abimelech for the same reason that I'm preaching about Abimelech tonight. That there's something about his death that is interesting and very, very unique. And so the only reason we know about Abimelech is because of his death. And the way he died and, and the things that happened to him. And so who, who smote Abimelech? That's, that's the question. And so um, we have to go for the source of the story. I mean, we could read that verse in verse 21 and we'd get that little bit. And that's interesting. That's an important verse. But, but the story is in Judges, the book of Judges chapter 9. And there we find that Abimelech, everyone say Abimelech, trying to keep you awake tonight. I know that it's going to take a lot of, because I've just not got what it takes. You're going to, I'm just going to have to get an alarm clock. That's what we need, an alarm clock. If I had an alarm clock, um, that, that has an alarm on it, Brother French, if you want to set it. Every two, maybe every minute and a half, let's have the alarm go off, and that will help us. Um, so Judges 9 is the source of the story, and there we see, and I'm going to summarize it, and you said you're going to help me preach tonight. How am I going to help me preach tonight? All right? That Abimelech was, in fact, an evil opportunist. See what I'm saying? You understand what that means? Abimelech was an evil opportunist. That's what he was. His death was referred to in the 11th chapter of 2 Samuel because of the sheer stupidity. Of his arrogance. In which. Abimelech. Was led. To the sin. Of overconfidence. He believed. That he could defy. The will of God. And suffer no. Consequences. So there we have the story of Abimelech. Now I've, I've never 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 preached. This before but I'm going to preach it tonight. I believe God is trying to show us that we need to answer for ourselves. Who in the world killed Abimelech? That's what the question is. That's what scripture says. Who, who killed Abimelech? So we're going to look at it tonight. Judges 9 uh, tells us that Abimelech's wickedness was so vile that he conspired to kill 70 of his own family members. He cared not that they were his own brothers. He cared not. You say, Brother French, I don't understand this. What are you trying to tell us? I'm trying to tell you. Did you set the alarm? I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to keep you awake here. That he was so deceived that he thought that he could kill his own family members. The Bible actually says in, in the actual wording that they were his own brothers, meaning that they were his family. They were not, he didn't have 70 brothers but they were 70 in the family of his brothers. He killed every last one of them. And they were all sons of Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon, Gideon had ruled and was a great leader. We all know the story of Gideon. And, and I won't, uh, I won't uh, tell you that story again. But it was Israel's great leader just before Abimelech. Gideon led the children of Israel to victory. Remember the, the uh, trumpets and the... And the pitchers and the, and, and the lights they put in the pit, they broke the pitchers and sounded the trumpets with just 300 men. They were going to first go in with, with thousands, and God said, no, 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 and all of that. Remember that story? How many remember that story? All right, that's, that was Gideon. And then after, of course, uh, that great victory, the, uh, 
children of Israel made Gideon their judge, and he led Israel for many, many years, in fact, for the rest of his life. And Abimelech actually was jealous of that. Abimelech was the son of Gideon. He was the son of Gideon, but he was jealous of his own father. He was jealous of the things that went on, and he was also concerned that he had not inherited everything. And so after Gideon's death, Abimelech wanted to be the top dog so bad. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, folks. This is Bible. I'm going to preach it tonight. I'm going to preach the Bible tonight. Abimelech thought that he should be the boss. He thought he should be number one. He thought everybody ought to bow down and think of him as great. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's something about arrogance that will destroy your soul. It will get a hold of you and wreck your life. It'll... Oh, man, I, I'm never preaching this again after a week of this. I'm going to tell you, I want to preach this tonight. I wish I could preach this tonight. I'm telling this church tonight that there's something about Abimelech. We need to ask ourselves, who in the world killed Abimelech? What was it that destroyed him? That's the question of Scripture. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. This, this shirt is French. Check this one. This one's, or else... Oh, my goodness. Oh, I feel really good tonight. I, I don't, I mean, I feel like, I, oh, hallelujah. I don't even have the strength hardly to preach what I want to preach tonight, but I, I know it's God. I know it's God. And, and all you that are nervous, oh, my goodness, it's going to take him all night to preach that. That's okay. That's okay. It's not going to take me all night, but if, you, uh, if you're worried about it, that, that's okay. So Gideon's dead, and Abimelech's trying to, he's trying to take over. And, of course, he does, and that's the story. But in order to do so, he murders his own brothers. He thought himself so clever that uh, if he could not be king, then everyone else should be dead. That's the way he felt. And so the Bible says, and of course, I'm going to, you could turn, if I were you, I would sort of flip over to Judges 9. That will help me preach faster because I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I feel symbolically in the Holy Ghost about Abimelech. But there's something about it. Every time the spirit of arrogance gets a hold of God's people. And I would say tonight, arrogance has no place in the people of God. Has no place. Now, if you, you just got your, uh, you know, if o President Obama just came and visited your home and, and came by and shook your hand, you should be proud of that. Being proud of something is, is not arrogance. If you have reason to be proud of something, that's not arrogance. I'm not, I'm not condemning that. I am condemning a spirit that thinks that it knows better than God. And the minute you think it, God knows better. And God had a plan. Abimelech thought 
that he had outsmarted the will of God. That's what the devil always thinks. I'm telling you tonight, you some of you that are worried that God's not going to have a church in 10 years, you need to start waking up. God has always had a church, and he will always have a church. God will have a church. God will have a church. God will always have a church. Praise God. Woo! My goodness. Okay, that's about all I can give it right there. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't have a whole lot more, but that, that's uh, the way I'm feeling. God always has a plan. See, you think the light's gone out, hope is gone, the end has come, only to find that God is in the midst of the rubble, ready to restore everything that the enemy thought in its arrogance that it would do to the church of God. So my little message tonight is biblical. Who smote Abimelech? Wasn't everybody dead? Hadn't he killed them all? Well, hmm, uh, hmm, I wonder. No, he had not because Judges 9 tells us that he thought he had killed every last relative. Oh, I feel something holy in this. I feel something from God in this place tonight. Abimelech said, the, oh, I wish I, wish I could preach this. He, he said, I'm going to hire. I forget. I don't know which verse, so I'm not going to look. I'm, not, I'm trying to do this on speed mode. But he said he hired a bunch of, I'll call them low lice. Do you know what I mean by that? You don't? Vain and light persons. What verse is that? Verse 4. Okay. I'll go with the King James. He hired, it doesn't say hired, does it? I don't think it says hired, but he, he, it does say hired. All right. I stand corrected. He hired, that's even worse. Oh, this guy just, you can tell I don't really care for this guy. I'm not liking him very much. He hired a bunch of lowlifes, as I would call them. People who nobody respected and he knew he could get them to slit anybody's throat no matter how old, how young, what they were or who they were related to. He didn't care who they were and that's the way the devil always operates. He doesn't care what he does and how things end up in the end because that's the way he is. And Abimelech thought, I did it. He slew them on the stone right there in the house of God, right in the place of God's worship. He killed every last son, his own brothers. He killed them all. And then he wakes up. He's putting Folgers in his cup. And he's smelling that aroma. He wouldn't let me be king, but I'm, I'm king now. Because I, I don't serve under anybody but me. If I'm not boss, I'm not coming to the show. That's the way he lived. So much so that they just let him, he watched them as they sprayed. And I'm trying to be careful here. I, I realize this. Is a, uh, he, he watched as they slew his entire family. And then, just as he's smelling the, that aroma of Folgers, there in the kitchen and uh, he looks up there up on that hill and someone comes pounding on his door 
Someone said he, he spills the coffee all over himself. I'm, I'm speaking symbolically here. Hallelujah. There's not a whole lot in there about the coffee, but you just, I think, it's, I think I'm pretty close. They said, oh, oh my goodness, Abimelech, you're not going to believe. I see him. I see him. How did he get up there? I don't know, sir, but do you know who that is, don't you? He said, yes, I know who it is. I just want to know how he got up there. I spent good money. And you could see the crowds gathering because standing up high on the ridge of the mountain, and the Bible gives even the details of which mountain and where he stood. He stands up there. The Bible says he was afraid of Abimelech. He wouldn't come any closer. Do you know who he was? He was Jotham, the youngest son of Gideon. He thought that he had wiped them out. That's the way the devil always thinks. He thinks that he can wipe out the purpose of God, but the youngest baby escaped. Do you know what Jotham means? Does anyone know? Jotham is, that's an English way to say a Hebrew word, but, but uh, it would obviously be Yatham in Hebrew. But, but, uh, but Jotham means, does anybody know? Have you ever heard? Maybe, I don't know if this is common knowledge. It means Jehovah is perfect. That's what Jotham means. Oh, hallelujah. So Gideon named his baby Jehovah is perfect. We don't understand sometimes the ways of God. But I'm telling you tonight that our God is an awesome God. He's a perfect and awesome God. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. Is it okay for me to preach a little bit here? Praise God, I'm kind of slow, but I'm, I'm still, I'm hanging in. Now, I know the devil thinks that he's clever, and he thinks he's stopped you. But in spite of it all, some of you tonight have asked the Lord many times, Lord, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Why, Lord? And you've sought God with many tears and you've wondered in your spirit and you've said, Lord, I, I don't understand why they're doing that over there. I don't know. Someone called me recently and said, Brother French, did you know so and so and so and so? I said, no, but I... Appreciate that, but I'm going to hang up and I'm not going to think about it again. That's what I told them. They thought I was going to go because somebody was doing something that was they knew I wouldn't approve of. I said, I have no control over what they do, but I want to tell you something. John. Jehovah, no matter what happens, no matter how hard the devil tries, 
in the midst of that circumstance and whatever it may be. In fact, I got off the phone and I began to pray, our Father which art in heaven. I come against the spirit that's hurting my brother, that's causing him to think or do that. And I want to tell you, I see many a brother that nearly fell, but he realized one day, Jotham is still alive. God is still real. And I will never back down from what God has said and what God's word says. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I'm, I, oh boy, I'm biting my tongue. But I, I'm going to preach this. I'm, I'm holding back. I don't want to say something that I, I don't really want to say. I'm trying to preach what God has given me. So, friend, God knows what he's doing, and he's perfect. One day, just when Abimelech thought that he had it all, he thought he had cleverly swept the kingdom into his own pockets, Jotham appeared. Jotham always appears, church. Let me tell you something. Jotham is always there. God always has an offspring waiting to love the things of truth. Waiting to stand for truth. On the ridge of the mountain he stood. I'm telling you today, Abimelech, you cannot win. This was the message of Jotham as he stood on the ridge that day. He said, you, and of course I'm, I'm putting it in my own words. And I, I, could, I tell you, I could... I could just speak for Jotham, but I'll just put it in my own words. <laughs> he said, Abimelech, I am telling you, you think you've won, but you have not won. Death has come, and you have done this to our brothers, and blood has flowed. But I tell you today, even though my heart is broken, even though I look about and I have to, sh the Bible says he ran. He left the ridge. The Bible does it not say it. The Bible says he ran from that ridge. And for three years, Abimelech said, I'll rule. I'll do what I want to do. But you never get away from the will of God. You never get away from the will of God. You just think you do. So, Jotham says, listen, devil, somebody's going to stop you. One of these days, God's going to be God. He's going to accomplish his will. And Jotham reminded them of the reason. Everyone say the reason. The reason that there will be a restoration. There will always be a restoration. You know the joy. I was in a group this week. I was in bunches, I just so many meetings I could hardly stand it. And they turned to me two or three times and they said, Talmud here, did you know Talmud is oneness? And they'd go, huh? And their jaw would drop way down here. Presidents of universities and, and uh, people like that and and uh, they'd say, Talmud, tell us again, how, how many people right now are, are baptized in Jesus' name? I said, well, the last count I did, this is just my count, this is little old me, but the last count I did was 32 and a half million right now living, living. A, a, a scholar from the University of Toronto walked in, Talmud, come here, come here, Talmud. Listen, I'm, I'm leaving right now. Who I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. He said, I'm, I'm catching you. I said, when are you leaving? And he said, I'm leaving in one hour. He said, and I'm, I'm catching the plane. I'm going straight to Spain. And then when I'll be there. I've got to meet some people. And then I'm flying directly into Africa. 
He said, you know why I'm going? I said, yeah, I think I do. He said, you do? I said, yeah, you're, you're going to Ethiopia. Remember, we talked last year. You said, if you ever get a chance, you're flying into Ethiopia. You're going to meet with the, with the Jesus name church there. I said, did you ever figure it out? I, had, I called a bunch of big, big uh, folks from university. I said, he's going to Ethiopia. He goes, he's, he's from the University of Toronto. I said, he's going in. I said, tell them how many right now in Ethiopia that you have proved, not me, but you, you're, you're University of Toronto, you're a Trinitarian. Tell them how many in Ethiopia right now you have demonstrated are in the church of Ethiopia right now. He said, three million I've documented it. He said, I said, I told you three years ago that they baptized over three million. And you said, that's not possible. And today, what do you say? He said, it's possible. He said, I'm going into a meeting in just a few days where there's going to be nearly a million people worshiping and praising their God and their Jesus name Pentecostals. Let me tell you something, folks. The devil thinks that he will stop the church, but he cannot stop. Why don't we clap our hands and praise God together just a little bit. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank God. So he reminds us in verse 17 why there will be a restoration. And I know you think this is going to be the endless message. For my father fought for you. I had this guy. <laughs> I can't say that. I, I, I can't say that. I had, uh, I'll say, say it different. Uh, this guy came up to me and he said, uh, um, uh, those old timers, talking about the founders of our movement, he said, they, they were so they were so uneducated. I said, well, my friend, that's two different things. Being dumb and uneducated are two different things. I said, I will tell you, my good friend. He said, I'm tired of all this stuff. He said, I'm not listening anymore to people. And I said, yeah, I could have told you that. You're not listening anymore. You've already, you've already bought the spirit of our world and our culture. So I prayed for him, and I want you to know that. So no matter what you think my spirit is saying, I'm telling you that it is possible for someone to have loved something and then lose that love because of money or because of prestige or fame or something. Things happen to people. You don't quit loving them. You don't quit praying for them. But I want to tell you something, folks. I turned to him and I said, I want you, I want to know, first of all, how you know, how, when did you meet these guys? He said, well, everything I ever read. I said, what have you ever read? Because I have, I've been for years collecting volumes of this stuff and I've, I've got the largest library of early writings. I said, I've got a library. How many, have you ever read Me to Do Season? No. Have you ever read uh, Blessed Hope, Blessed Truth? How about that? How about this present truth? I went through everything. He said, I'm not, okay, I've never read anything. I said, and you're saying they're dumb. I said, you don't know if they're dumb or not, do you? You're only saying that because that's your way of dismissing them so you can say, I don't have to listen to somebody dumb anymore. 
Fact of the matter is, they were some of the most brilliant men that I've ever read, and I'm widely read. I want to tell you something, folks. There's something about a people that will say, my fathers, my fathers did something they have given me. They fought for me. My heritage is something they gave me. They prayed for me. They gave me what I have. They prayed this into me. Jotham said, my father fought for you. And then he said, Gideon, our dad, brought you. Now, I'm going I'm to finish this message. So uh, here we go. I'm not going to. I'm all worked up, and I'm, I, I didn't really mean to get all worked up. Our dad is the last one up there on the ridge. Our dad brought to Israel deliverance. Everyone say deliverance. So I am saying tonight to this church, to myself, to my family, be careful. Never strike the hand of the one who brought you deliverance. Never take lightly the one that laid his or her hand on your head. Only an evil voice would tell you to rise up against the man of God who brought you deliverance. That's what verse 23 of that chapter tells us. Deliverance. So I'm asking this question tonight. And I, I, I could almost, pre- I, I, I feel this so strong I could just preach it. Who smote of them? He became so determined to defy the will of God that he started wars against his own people. The Bible says he slaughtered men and women in Shechem. And when say Shechem, I know this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk this path. Stay with me. He went to Shechem. He became furious that they held up in the tower and would not yield to him. So he ordered the, here's what he did. He ran over, he grabbed an axe, and he started chopping. And they looked at him like, what in the world are you doing? He chopped the tree completely down himself. He was so big and robust and he, he chopped that tree down and as he was yelling timber and the tree was starting to go over he said now grab an axe and do what I've done and they pushed those trees up against the tower of Shechem and lit them with a torch and watched as one by one 1,000 men and women jumped from the top of the tower of Shechem to their death are burned alive inside the tower. That's how little he cared for his own because you, you, perhaps I've left it out, but Shechem was his home. He killed not only his brothers, but all of those who dared not think that he could tell God what to do. But he was so confident in himself that he then turned to Thebes. Everyone say Thebes. Now Thebes also had a tower. But Thebes in Hebrew is pronounced Tebes. It would not be pronounced Thebes, but in English it's fine. Thebes is fine. But Thebes is the Hebrew word. Remember I told you I'm preaching like I don't normally do. I'm preaching symbolically. Thebes is the Hebrew word for whiteness or, by association, purity or by symbolic association for my message tonight, holiness. In other words... 
Thebes was that tower that represented purity or whiteness or holiness. And I assure you the enemy thinks that he can burn the people of God out of the tower of Thebes. The devil thinks it means nothing and all he needs is an axe. He's deluded by the death surrendered to the sons of deliverance. He thinks that if I could destroy 70 of my brothers, then what in the world does holiness matter? But I'll tell you what holiness matters. It will be the source of the answer to the question, who smote Abimelech? Oh, hallelujah. This church is alive because it is in its midst. In its midst is the tower of holiness. Praise God. He refuses to hear Jotham. Jehovah is perfect. Because he knows, even though he thinks he will win, that in Jotham, in God's perfection, everybody say praise the Lord. Let's just lift a hand and praise the Lord for a moment. In God's perfection, deliverance will always remain. Deliverance is there, right on the edge. And old Abimelech has dared to think that he can rid us of Thebes. So I ask again, in closing, who smote him? They were running everywhere. People were throwing things off the top of the tower, as they always do in battles of ancient times running for more, searching for this and searching for that. And, uh, they, and, and that's all I can say. It's a common uh, picture of war in the ancient days. They would run into the towers, and, and they would, even in the old English battles, they would throw things off the towers, and, and they would drop oils and, and things onto the people and pour boiling lead, and, and, it would, and so on. That's just the way they did things. Abimelech, though, thought himself invulnerable. Do you know what I mean by that? He thought himself invulnerable. But what he didn't count on was God's timing. Do you hear me tonight? God's always on time. God's always on time. Sometimes you've got to get all the way to the Tower of the Best. You've got to get right down to the Tower of Whiteness. You've got to get right down to the place where you're having to ask yourself, is this really important? Do I really see the value? Do I really recognize this? And God says, okay, Abimelech, come on, Abimelech. You think you're something? Come on. You think you're invulnerable? What do you think about this tower? And his arrogance brought him to brush his shoulder right up to the side. No king would have done it. It was really quite foolish, and this is why Second Samuel asked the question that I posed tonight. Who smote him? Because he was so arrogant, he got closer. And the little woman who was rushing, scampering, looking for a little something she could throw off the side had no idea, no idea of what was about to transpire. Because only God knew the beginning from the ending. 
And only God knew that a man with so much arrogance that he would not ever care about the one who brought him deliverance and the one who gave him his own life, his own father and his own heritage. He threw it all away for a bunch of low lives that he had to hire. Only such a man would find his destiny brushing his shoulder up against the tower of holiness, thinking that he would burn them out like he did Shechem and all the others. It didn't matter in the end. When the Bible says a woman, can you say that with me? A woman, a woman, not her name, nothing else about her, a little woman was heading up the side and, and she's thinking, I've got to do something. I've got to, I've got to take this. And she runs up as fast and others are going and they're heaving things over and it really didn't make a whole lot of difference. But they were throwing and, and they were catapulting and everybody was doing their little something. But she had a piece of the rock in her hand in the tower of holiness. The Bible said, that she had a piece. I'm going to say a piece. It, it, all, all she could have held would have been a piece. It was quite heavy. A piece of a millstone. And I, oh my goodness, praise God. Old Abimelech, the killer of Gideon's family, is walking closer and closer to it all because he thinks he's more powerful than any righteous heritage. Who cares about the old-fashioned nonsense of worship and shouting and lifting my hands and less dressing and doing right? He decides to get right up against the tower and thinks it makes no difference. But this time, he'd reached a tower he couldn't burn. The woman just took that millstone and heaved it over the side, and God did the rest. God knew exactly that in that day, God would use the holiness of a simple woman to change the destiny of all Israel. Woo! <laughs> we don't know her name, but we know that she put her trust in God. Folks, I want to tell you, we've got a piece of the rock in our hand. I want us to stand together all across this place. Come on, I know, I know, I, I know we need to stop. I want us to just stand for a moment. I want us to just kind of shuffle a little bit and let's lift our hands and praise God here all across this place. Heavenly Father, right now we thank you because, Lord, there's something about purity. There's something about holiness that's more powerful than any Abimelech more powerful than anything that says armies and potentates will change the kingdom of God because they cannot. Lord, we thank you because somebody is standing in the tower. A woman is standing in the tower of holiness and purity. I want our young people, I'll tell you what I want us to do. I want us to pray tonight. And I want, I know we don't have a whole lot of young people, but but I'd like them to just come and I always like it when they come first and stand with me. And just come, get as close, wherever you want to stand. It, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be in a single file. But I want them to come. Saints, let's pray for them right now. Let's just pray together. I want our young people to come. If you're a young person, a young married, uh, up, up into the 20s, come on. Come down here with me right now. And let's, let's come first. Saints, let's wave a hand before the presence of God. Lord, there's something in our hand tonight.
devil wants to make us think it's nothing. It's just a piece of the rock. But Lord, we've got a piece of something here tonight that when it's placed in the hands of God, it is a powerful weapon against those that would destroy our heritage. Lord, we thank you right now because we have a hunger. Okay, let's pray. Come on, reach your hands towards our young people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I thank you right now because the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Lord, I thank you because the presence of God is in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I feel strong enough tonight, and I know our young people are praying. I wonder if you feel, uh, if you feel that God can give us victories in these last days. I wonder if you could come and stand with me tonight. And, and, and as a, I don't care how you do it, but, but here's how I'm thinking of it. Our hands are open and we're saying, Lord, give me, give me the rock. Give me something tonight that I can use like a David before Goliath, that I can preserve my heritage, that I can love.